Welcome to the Liberty Tree, podcasting from Family Life Church in Swanee, Georgia. In the big rock candy mountains, the jails are made of tin, and you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. There ain't no short handle shovels, no axes, saws, or picks. I'm a going to stay where you sleep all day, where they hung the Turk that invented work in the big rock candy mountains. Last night I had the strangest dream. I sailed away to China in a little boat rowboat to find you, and you said you had to get your laundry clean. Didn't want no one to hold you. What does that mean? And you said, ain't nothing going to break my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. And I will edit that out as as the first chance I get. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Liberty Tree. No, Zach, thank you. Thank you for that uh, wonderful intro. Who sung that song apart from Zach just now? I I got to cheat. That's right. Uh, where's our where's our, where's our, our, our research assistant? Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> haven't got her back yet. Matthew Wilder. Oh yes, of course. Uh, known for all of his hits. <laughs> I, I have no have, idea who that is. I think that might have been it. A one-hit wonder. Yeah. Matthew Wilder, "Break My Stride." There's quite a few one-hit wonders. Huh? That's right. Well, it's hard to write a hit song. You yeah. know, most people don't have any hit songs in them. And a few people only have one, and then every once in a while you get, you know, your Bob Dylans or your Beatles or, you know, whoever. Millie so. Vanilli had a couple hit songs, didn't they? Well, somebody <laughs> sang them. I don't know if it was Millie Vanilli. But. And I was always wondering, like, who was the people that actually sung the songs? Yeah, it was like guys that worked at the studio. They were like, I don't know if they were like janitors, but they were just like some... Why didn't they just be like, hey, we're the real Millie Vanilli? Well, because of the image of, you know, they had these, you know... Because video killed the radio star. That's right. So mm. it was all a big scam. Mm. Plenty of them going around. That's right. I'm so behind what is current music. I was thinking about this the other day. I, 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 every now and then I'll go through stages where I'll try to get back into understanding what music is going on out there. And I, I kind of get a basic idea and then I leave it because it's, in my estimation, awful. Uh, and I'm getting... I've been way beyond that stage of where I'm just a curmudgeon for all things like that ain't country music. This is country music. That ain't rock music. This is rock music. I'm, I'm there. And, and I couldn't tell you the, I, I knew I've heard of the weekend guy who did the Super Bowl thing. Right. But I, I, I couldn't tell you like when, where, how much people are following them. All I know is, is I didn't really enjoy it. And I thought it was kind of garbage, but. Well, well, I I will say this. I was impressed how he got from way up high on the stadium to down on the field and back up. Like he was all over the place. I I would have been out of breath. I don't know that I could have done that. I just wish, you know, I don't know. I don't know about the quality of the music or the performance, but that guy was all over the place. So I, I just, it would have been a lot more funny if they just used a dummy like they did in like the Naked <laughs> like, Gun, like, like Benny Hill, or or or, or, the, or like there's that scene from Fresh Prince of Bel Air where uh, they uh, Will and uh, Carlton are, are dancing 
uh, uh, to the uh, the song Apache, and, 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 uh, uh, and in the middle of it, uh, Will Smith throws Carlton in like a dance move, and it just cuts, and it shows it's an obvious dummy right. flying through the air that's supposed to be representing Carlton yeah. Banks, and he lands, and then you know and then gets up, him, and it's and him. You know, right. to me, I don't know why, but that is one of the funniest. Yeah. Gags that you can do in any comedy. Yeah, that, good good dummy work has that, is has no equal. I mean, Al Bundy falling off the roof and married <laughs> with children. You know, uh, I mean, going back to the Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy. And, yeah. I mean, that yeah. was you know yeah. falling from. <laughs> yeah, good, funny. Yeah, it's 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 really hard to top good dummy work. I mean, even in the movie Frankenstein, the original, there's a scene where the monster throws Frankenstein from the windmill, and it's an obvious dummy falling and hitting every spoke of the windmill on the way down. Hey, and that, that, I laughed That, that won an Oscar for special effects in 1931, <laughs> I think. So, you know. You know, talking about the Fresh Prince of uh, Bel-Air, you know, we was on vacation and we went, and we was watching TV and so it came on. My kids are like, what's this? I was like, oh, this was the best say, sitcom. This, this is a sitcom, kids, because yeah, they don't even know sitcom, what that is. You know? <laughs> they didn't even know what it was. My, talking about, like, uh, being out of touch with all the new music, Oh yeah, my my daughter has like an '80s playlist where it's like songs from like the 2000s. I'm like, that's not '80s. She's like, yes, it is. I was like, no, it's not. That's not '80s. Yeah, yes, it is because it's this old to her, you know. Right. I think it's quite funny. <laughs> this is Fat Boy Slim. This is not '80s. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I, I yeah I I think it was about a year ago before the shutdown. Actually, it's funny. After shutdown, before shutdown, we're marking time by that, I guess. But right before that, I was trying to like, get back into music, and someone told me about a band called Greta Van Fleet. Mm. And they're a band out of Michigan. They're young guys. Sound like Led Zeppelin. Yes. I first listened to them, and I was like, this is rock and roll. Yeah. This is this is actual rock and roll. And then you start looking at the comments of everybody like, this is a Led Zeppelin ripoff. Or, oh, they're just as Led Zeppelin. This is just Led Zeppelin. Do something new. And I'm like... Oh wow, they are kind of like Led Zeppelin, and so like there's two camps. There's one they're like, yeah, this is awesome. Try to get back to rock, and there's others that are like, what else are you gonna listen to? Why right. not? I mean, I'm not gonna listen know. to any other junk that doesn't right. sound like K-pop good music. Well, I yeah. think there's oh. actually there's yeah. a I think there's a lot of good music out there, but the thing is, it sort of bypasses the traditional record labels these days. Like right. it, it's all over YouTube. It's hidden away in iTunes, hidden away in Spotify. You're not turning on the radio and but listening to the, it. The traditional model of, you know, get discovered by, by a record label and have them produce a very expensive album and then send you on a, rec, on, a, on a tour to support that album, it still exists, but it's not as common as it used to be. I mean, so there's still acts like Foo Fighters or U2 or, you know, uh, Taylor Swift that can support that sort of huge expenditure. The Rolling but, Stones that will never die. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think they're getting ready to go on another tour. Yeah. Heard nice. Charlie Watts is 80. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Or nearly, or nearly 80. So. I'm like, I'm like you, Zach. I'm so out of touch with the music. I just, but, I don't even hardly listen to music anymore. I mean, the music I like from years ago, but I never like tried nothing new. 80s. Uh, I got into folk music a little while ago, like Appalachian folk <laughs> music, like where, you know, in the history about it. And there's something about hearing those instruments and a tune and lyrics that really don't make any sense other than, you know, you know, whatever era I guess they were in at the time. And, it, and this is kind of a rabbit trail. I'll do those a lot. A lot of old songs that, that were in the Appalachian Mountains, like Appalachian Mountain music, were songs that came over from 
Britain and from Europe and from uh, uh, the UK and Scotland and stuff. And a lot of ballads and stuff back then, if you listen to a lot of the old Appalachian music, the lyrics, it's like, it's like a song about a murder from the perspective of the murderer. Right. It's like mm. it, people wrote all these songs. Some of them wrote them while the guy's getting executed, but writing from his perspective right. about what he did. And it's like, what in the world? You don't even think about it till you actually listen to what you're singing. Yeah. <laughs> so you were actually singing them? or you were I wasn't singing. I was listening to it. I'm like, <laughs> listen to the lyrics. I'm like, what? And that kind of is a nice little segue into um, uh, both y'all are on the uh, praise and worship team of our church. And this is kind of a public kind of clap to both of y'all. The words and the songs that y'all are picking for the services are straight gospel fire. And I can't remember who said it, um, but it was a quote where someone, I'm paraphrasing it, said, if you really want to know what a church believes, you know, don't so much listen to, you know, uh, uh, this or that. Listen to the words in their songs. Because that's going to be what goes with them. That's what, or mo- a lot of it's going to be what they carry with them, um, and it's it's so important. A lot of people don't, uh, you know, really sit down and think about the importance of it. Well, we try. We have quite an archive of that's right. praise and worship songs, don't that's we? That's right. And I think I think for the most part that we there's the songs are selected thoughtfully, and hopefully we try to delve into our. The, the, the breadth and width of the mm-hmm. ones we have to play and hopefully that something that speaks to the congregation. Um, it's very difficult week. sometimes to um, get new songs and try to implement right. them into the right. service because there's some worship songs that that as soon as you sing it and if nobody's heard it before, it's an immediate, like, everybody enters in right. and sings along. Right. And they just, it's just, they just love it. But then there's other ones where it's kind of like, you're kind of dragging along, and right. you're kind of, or, or you're you're giving you know, a concert more than yes. more than helping people enter into singing together and worshiping together. So you have to sort of pick and choose a little bit. That's right. Um, and we tend to go for the latter part, don't we? Ben? As best we can. As best we can. Mm-hmm. I, uh, while I was in seminary, I crashed and burned on uh, on the uh, me uh, me centered Christianity. Uh, me and me better fied instead of Christ and him crucified. So it, it's, it's ruined me in a way from a lot of old songs that I used to have sung or even a lot of new songs. If it, in my head, if it doesn't meet that muster up, if it feels like I'm singing about me, I'm immediately shut down. If, if, I, if, if I feel like I'm, if, if, I, if it's hit me that I'm singing about what promises I'm making to Christ what I'm going to do, what I have done, I tend to shut down. But whenever, like, when y'all first sang that song, when I first ever heard it, it was y'all uh, singing it, the song Aftermath. The words, when it was hitting me, it was just like, yeah, I can. Yeah. I felt not only did I feel comfortable singing it, I was worshiping the Lord and singing it because it was, it, it was something that pointed to Christ and what He has done, but. Uh, long story short, and I think I go back to this moment because it was kind of pivotal for me. Uh, one of my classes I had to do was um, it involved part, part of the discipline or part of the uh, uh, assignment. I had to keep, I think for a month, a spiritual growth chart. And 
and this is not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to attack anything or attack anyone. If people use spiritual growth charts to help themselves and it helps point them to Christ, go for it. I'm just speaking from a personal experience for me where you would have to list out these different spiritual disciplines, whether it's reading your Bible or it's prayer or it's, uh, you know, uh, quiet time, uh, uh, anything, any, any kind of spiritual act of service or whatever. And you're, and the, the task was to try to forecast that. On this day, you would do this. On this day, you do that for this many amount of time or whatever. And it was, you were trying to chart your, your spiritual growth. And I don't think it was an assignment to teach you how you're not doing it. I think it was legitimately an assignment to try to help and encourage that kind of behavior. And so I would put all these things down and I would do it. And I crashed and burned on almost every single one. Anything that even came close to, you know, I would try to pray for a certain amount of time in my I would always get distracted. Or I would try to read and do something or read the Bible, read this passage, and something that would always happen. And I felt so deflated. I felt so inadequate. I felt so bad. I felt like I was failing this Christian thing. And I'm in seminary. You know, I, to be quite honest, I went into seminary very cocky. I've got this. I've been in church my whole life. I can do this. Right. And it about killed me. And I remember... That self-examination. Right? Oh, it, 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 and, and I, it wasn't... I didn't realize at the time that I was getting full law. The law is good. I'm not. But it was like a mirror. And it was, it was exposing me to myself of how I fail, how I fall very short of any kind of expectations, or I fall very short of what I ought to be doing. And I, I got to the point where I remember I was praying, and I was like, Lord, I am awful at this. I, I, I can't do this. I give up, and if this stuff is supposed to happen, you're just going to have to do it. And then I'll just have to have the confidence that you'll make this happen. You know, I'm not, and at that time, I'm not thinking about the verses that say, you know, Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. You know, those verses weren't hitting me at that moment or I hadn't studied that moment. But it was very close after that when I realized that I had no hope when I looked at me, that the only hope I had was Christ. That's where freedom, relief, uh, feeling like the doors of heaven swung wide open and I walked right through, it felt like for the first time that I was truly free. And it was that kind of moment of, yeah, your spiritual growth is awful because you're looking at you and your progress in making it happen. You know, it, I was looking at me, but the moment I looked to Christ, that's when things finally started to, you know, uh, that's when the Christian faith actually started sounding like good news. You had a revelation. Right. Well, then then how can, let me ask this question, how can the average person who's not, doesn't have the benefit of being in seminary necessarily and having sort of that level of reflection at all times, what can they do to have assurance that they're saved? I think, I think the first thing to start off from the bat, and, and I've heard this recently, uh, and I've read it recently in different uh, ministries like uh, 1517, Christ Hold Fast, and some other places that uh, point to this, is that it's starting off on the right 
um, asking the right questions, I think, helps very much when it comes to assurance. Um, if you start asking the questions of, am I doing enough? What am I doing now? What can I improve upon? You know, have I, 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 if the questions are revolving around your work and what you're doing, it, you're not going to find, you're not going to find the assurance that you need. Right. And if, if anything, you'll, you might fall into a, the trap of false assurance, <laughs> right? Right. A pit of despair. One, you know, you're, you're, I feel like if you're looking at yourself, there's only one or two outcomes that are going to become of this. One, you're going to feel like that the Christian thing isn't just for you because it's not working and you'll just give up and you'll just, you know, look for something else. Or two, you'll be so blinded by your own awesomeness that you won't even consider the depths of your sin and how badly you are in need of Christ. You'll be channeling that that uh, uh, the Pharisee, you know, thank God I'm not like this tax collector. You know, I tithe every week. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do all this. I'm a scholar of the scriptures. I, 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 I'm so glad I'm not like Joe Schmo over here who's not even lifting up his head to pray. But, but and this is pointing to the passage in scripture that talks about this, the tax collector isn't, Joe Schmo, isn't lifting up his head because he can't. Because he's, so, he's in so much angst over his own self is that he says, and he says, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I'm the sinner. And Jesus said, it's that man who went home justified. The one who realizes that any assurance or any hope, any salvation has got to come from someone other than me. And that someone is Jesus Christ. So starting off the bat, go back to your original question. Don't ask when you're looking for assurance don't don't ask or don't be ready to analyze how good your faith is or how big your faith is or how large your faith is ask what is the object of your faith or better yet who is the object of your faith and it's christ and then ask yourself did christ do it did he do it right did he get job did he get the job done how how ironclad are his promises how, how rock solid or what is what he said is what's going to happen, what has happened, happened. Once you make that shift and you're looking at Jesus for assurance, all other things start to fall into place. And even if they don't, that's another thing. You know, you can, you're going to have, or I'm speaking for myself again, you're going to have days where you don't feel and I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me now because we're not <laughs> I, on a... I, I could hear you doing the air quotes. <laughs> You're not doing a, we're not doing a video cast, but there are going to be some days where you don't, quote unquote, feel saved. But the good news is, is that our faith and our assurance and our salvation are not grounded on our feelings. Feelings are important. I'm not b- dismissing those. But never, ever, ever look for assurance in how you feel. Right. Even when we falter, the work of Christ is, you know, unwavering. So even when we don't feel like, you know, we, we've measured up necessarily, the work is already done. You know, he, he's done it for us. Right. I mean, I, he, 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 he did it before you were born. Right. He, he, he did it while you were a sinner. I mean, go back and look at the, in the, in the words that are said when someone's baptized, go look and to see what, 
God is connected with those words. Look at the promises of the supper. Look at the promises of the preaching of the word. All these things by themselves and without the word of God, they're just stuff. They're just stories. But when they're connected with Christ, they're, they're, they deliver on the promise, which is faith in Christ. I feel like it's uh, against human nature sometimes to have somebody in place doing it for you rather than you doing it yourself. Because right. I remember like growing up, which I've grown up in church for many, many years. And, you know, you go your own way here and there when you're growing up. But I remember watching the old movie Ten Commandments, yeah. like Charlton Heston, you know, and you watch it. And Where's your like, Messiah now? <laughs> <laughs> From my cold dead hands. Well, it's not that wrong, wrong, no, that's wrong what, Charlton Heston. What's Sorry, I, was doing, I was doing the Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like Planet of the Apes there for a minute. Sorry. Anyway, it's, just such, a, it's such a quotable movie. Sure, I could sure. go on. I mean, you well, you yeah. blew it up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that one. <laughs> well, you know, I remember watching it and thinking as a either like a not too young, but young enough to understand going into preteens, teens, whatever, and you're watching it and uh, you're thinking, wow, the Ten Commandments, how can they, what kind of, I got to try and do them and keep them and keep them laws, you know, and you're watching the movie and you're watching the movie, you know, and he comes down with the Ten Commandments and then he breaks them. And then you think back and like when he breaks them, that's kind of like the new covenant. Like that's you right. can't. That's you right. can't. I mean, yeah, like re- when he came down yeah. and, 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 and they were doing all this worshiping with this stuff and doing whatever they wanted, he just slammed them thing on the, on the ground. It was almost a reminder of, that's kind of like the new covenant when Jesus came. Like, you can't fulfill these laws right. yeah. and you can't fulfill yeah, re- these commandments. Read the Ten Commandments. The first one, you fail miserably. You don't even have to get to the other <laughs> nine. You can't do the first yeah. one. You're right. Cause the, and this is something yeah. to kind of help remind us about you know, the difference between law and gospel. The law was never designed as the path to get saved. That's not what the law does. That's, not, I, that's not the function of the law. Right. But I, I, right on that point, I think a lot of Christian, um, how can I say it, um, ways of getting your salvation is that's what they point to. Oh, yeah. And oh. they kind of get it a little bit skewed to where, and nobody can ever fulfill that. Mm-mm. Only Jesus can fulfill well, that in our place. And there's still excellent rules to live by. We should all of try course. to. And I think a lot of it starts, honestly, when you're little, when you're a child. I mean, you you, you want to start, you know, maybe maybe little children can't understand just yet the breadth of what Christ has done for us. But they can understand right from wrong. They can understand, do this, don't do this. So we start out with little children. These are the Ten Commandments. This is what God sent to his people and as as you know, rules to live by. And of course we know that there are hundreds of other laws and, you know, in the, you know, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and these sorts of things. But in general, most of us can understand the 10 commandments, even if we can't always do them perfectly, but it's a good foundation, I think, for young people to just start with this. If nothing else, start with this. I think the problem though, is that it gets propagated long into life. People are still, you know, people that maybe don't know all of the intricacies of, of what Christ has done for us or they haven't been shown that message, all they remember is there are these commandments that you must do. And they're sort of leaving out really what's the most important bit of it. And that's why, you know, when you ask people, you know, on the street, well, how do you get to heaven? And they'll tell you, well, be a good person and don't, you know, don't hurt people and, and love your neighbor and that sort of thing. And they're sort of pointing to the law, essentially, 
And, right. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of times people won't say, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to heaven because I'll give my heart to Jesus and, you know, and have right. faith in him. I mean, right. Like the, the law was given so that the trespass would increase. Like, I really didn't want to go 55 until the speed limit told me that I could only go 45. Right. It's, it's like the, the laws were given to show, hey, this is what is God's law. This is what is holy and acceptable it's a and righteous. Right. And it, the way it acts on sinners, though, it operates as a mirror to show how you are not doing it. Um, now again, that doesn't mean to discard it. Because it's there and it has a purpose in its function. And its function is to point us to the fact that we are not righteous people, that we are lawbreakers. And then it's, and see, that's, that's another challenge of today too, especially in kind of the, the you know, truth is relative world or whatever. You know, uh, even though people are always, the, People today are seeking validation and acceptance and forgiveness because look at social media. That's all it is, is please accept me. Please, uh, you know, validate me. Please this. So that's not the problem. The problem is, you know, having them realize that they're not, that the bad news is, is that they're not as good as they think they are. They're actually a, a lot worse than they think they are. Um, and we're pretty, we're pretty good at uh, uh, the law. Uh, or getting it out there. The only problem is, is that the law that's being put out for people that, you know, hey, we do this, we get saved. It's a cheap version of the law. It's a law that's not perfect. It's a law that here's the bar. You can kind of get over it over time if you work hard enough. And that's not the law at all. The law is perfect. And you have to fulfill it perfectly at all times. Um, When someone is crushed by that knowledge that they do fall short, that's when the gospel is supposed to be quickly administered right away. The law is written on our hearts. The gospel's not. And we are in constant need of hearing the fact that Christ was crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. Believe that and you will be saved. And, um, and to circle back to assurance, that's where the assurance part comes through. It, whether it's the devil or me or other people or my life or when I've blown it big time, how could anybody forgive me? How could God love me? And when the devil reminds me or the devil reminds you that you're a horrible, rotten sinner, that you've just committed a, a, a horrible, horrible sin, and that you deserve death, hell, and the grave, you reply back to the devil and say, you know what? You're right. You're right. I do deserve hell, death, and the grave. But there is someone who has died and made satisfaction on my behalf he rose from the dead. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, I will be also. Why? Because he promised. And this kind of goes back to close us out, what you said earlier, Ben, is, you know, uh, or it was made have been after we were talking about, what was the question about, what was the, uh, uh, if you go to heaven and what yeah, was it? Yeah, well, you know, if you were, if you saw, you know, if you saw St. Peter at the, at, the, at the pearly gates and, you know, and he said, well, why, why should I let you in? You know, why, why, why do you, why, why, why can you come in these gates? If that, if, if that event even happens, if it does, I yeah. think it's going to be a joke. Cause I think Peter's trying to be funny because right. I don't think that happens. But right. if it was, and that question was asked, the right response is I'm in heaven because Christ promised. He promised, he promised that he died on the cross for my sins. He promised that his resurrection was for my justification. He promised that he never would leave me or forsake me. He promised I would be where he is always. That's why I'm here, because Christ did something. 
Not because Zach Cole did something, not because Ben did something, not because John did something, but because Christ did something. That's why I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's where the assurance you know, goes all the way back to is Christ. Look at Christ and what he's doing, what he did, what he's doing now, and what he will do and his promise to do forever. And all of that was done for you. Yeah, that's and that's that's the most incredible gift of all, isn't it? Yeah, it's excellent, awesome, so, awesome news. Yeah, need to hear it that's all the time, all the time. Well, and on that note, I think that we've come to the end of another Liberty Tree podcast. We want to thank everyone for entering into this time with us, and and hopefully having just some time to reflect on the wonderful assurance that we have that that Christ died for us and that we will be able to spend eternity in paradise um, because of his, you know, wonderful, beautiful sacrifice for all of us. But um, we hope that you'll join us again and um, find us on social media and uh, we will be back for another episode of the Liberty Tree. If you ever have any questions uh, for us on the podcast here, feel free to send us an email at thelibertytreepodcast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to answer any questions you have, or if there is a topic or something that you want us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to let us know. You can find us on Facebook, The Liberty Tree Podcast. If you're on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at LibertyTreeCast. And also, we are on the church website There's an icon on the website that's a picture of our logo. Just click on that. And to get to that website, it's familylifechurchswanee.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much. More to come later. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning, down the track came a hobo hiking. And he said, boys, I'm not turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountains. So come with me, we'll go. This was the Liberty Tree, podcasting from Family Life Church in Swanee, Georgia.